Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So we're in the series, Flip This House, and we continue the series. I think this is like our seventh or eighth week in, in the series. And we're discussing the subject of remodeling our lives after God. What things in our lives need to change to make me, to make you more like Jesus? Today I want to encourage you to never stop remodeling your life. Never stop changing to become, to be more of a person who Jesus wants you to be. Don't get stuck in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. If you still have shag carpeting from the 70s in your house, it's time to change the shag carpeting. You don't know what kind of creatures are living in that shag carpeting. It's time to change. Don't get stuck. I just heard a rumor, and I believe it's true, that because of the coronavirus and because we have not barbers, that there's many guys that are going back to the mullets. That's what I just heard. I'm going to say, don't do it, guys. Don't. Do it. Don't go back. Let's keep moving forwards. Let's keep progressing in Jesus' name. As a homeowner, there's a combination between maintaining your home and remodeling your home. Maintaining your home is good. It's, it's trying to keep everything in repair when a toilet breaks to repair that toilet. When you, know, when you have trim that's starting to need painting, you paint the trim. You do the different things to maintain your house. But remodeling your home is also good. Some things just wear out. Some things just get broken and you can no longer maintain it. You have to actually just replace it, update it. And our lives can be similar. There are areas of our lives that we need to maintain. A consistent prayer life. The exercise of our physical body. The study of God's word. Eating healthy is really, really good for you. The attendance of church, everyone say, amen. amen. A good night's sleep. Those are all things that help maintain our life. They're all very important, and they make us more prosperous. They make us enjoy life more. But there are also areas of our life that we need to progressively change. It's choosing to continue to develop mentally and spiritually and physically and relationally and emotionally. It's choosing to allow God to transform our thinking our behaviors, our actions. We need to allow God to change us, change the way we act, change the way we behave, change the way we think. It's choosing to allow God to lead us in areas that we might be fearful. I'm going to say it again. It's choosing to allow God to lead us in areas of our life where we might be fearful. And we all have those areas of our life. We do. It's choosing to be open to God's ways instead of my own ways. Ooh, preach it to yourself, Pastor Tom. Let me share a scripture with you today from the book of Romans. This is a letter to the church of Rome. This is written by the Apostle Paul. And I really felt impressed today to read this entire chapter. It's Romans chapter 12. And if you're uh, joining us online, uh, turn your Bibles or turn your phone on to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read the entire chapter today because I think it's just such a powerful message for today. Follow along with me. 
And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Stepping on toes, the Apostle Paul is. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. He's stepping on toes again. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. I'm going to read that one again. What a word for today. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Ooh, he's stepping on my toes again. Never pay evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. And I pray today, Lord God, in the midst of unrest of our nation, I pray that our hearts and our minds will be open to your word. I pray that they just won't be words on a page, but God, they'll be the rhema that is touched by your spirit that will change our hearts and change what's happening on the inside of us, Lord God. I pray that, Lord, we will look in the dark corners of our lives and, Lord God, that we will light, let light expose those areas of our life. I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to worship and to serve you. And I pray, Lord God, that your word will be powerful and effective today. In Jesus' name, 
Everyone said? This is that type of message. If I invited the Apostle Paul to be our guest speaker today, and he just finished sharing this message, I would expect for him to just to drop the mic and walk off the stage. That was the kind of message that the Apostle Paul just shared with us today. It's really a hard message for me to even follow up on because his words are so powerful. His words are commanding, they're convicting, they're challenging, but yet they're filled with kindness and love and encouragement. What a beautiful passage of Scripture that we can allow to penetrate our heart today. And I encourage you that you take the time this week to meditate on Romans chapter 12. Read it over and over again. Because what happens with me when I choose to prepare a message, I take a passage of Scripture and I start reading it. I start on Monday or Tuesday and I let, the whole, I let it soak into me for the whole week. So by the time I come to Saturday or Sunday and I share that message, guess what? It's in me. It's already affected me. When I go to sleep at night, I'm thinking about it. All of a sudden, I wake up in the morning with a word, a fresh word. It's not just for me. It's from the power of his Holy Spirit that says, hey, Tom, you need to look at this point for your life. Because you know what? You can't just preach the word. you got to let the word change you. And so I encourage you guys, when we read the word, Don't let it just be words on a page. Let it be a word that touches your life and changes your life from the inside out. I'm fired up today. I don't know why I'm so fired up today, but I am. I think it's just I see people. Thank you, Jesus. Let me share a few thoughts from Paul's words. You can easily spend 10 weeks on this one chapter. I mean, there's so much in this one chapter. But I'm just going to give a few highlights that stand out to me that are especially in this area of remodeling our lives during this time of unrest, it can be so powerful we take these few thoughts from this chapter. The first thing is this. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. Verse 2. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. I have to tell you, over the last few weeks, I have been more challenged in my thinking than I've ever been challenged in my lifetime. Honestly. Never have I been challenged in my thinking like I have over the last few weeks. With the whole pandemic and the death of a very good friend of mine, challenges me. The continued stress that the quarantine puts on people's lives challenges me. The wrongful deaths of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd challenges me. Followed by the rightful protests, but destructive and horrible riots that have left many police officers and citizens injured, along with the death of David Dorn, a 77-year-old police chief, challenges me. I know it challenges you guys as well. It's overwhelming. It's almost impossible for us to be able to wrap our minds over all of it at one time because it's happening so fast, so quickly. It's just hard to be able to take it in emotionally. Paul is challenging us in this scripture to do something. He's challenging us not to allow the behaviors and customs of this world to direct our thoughts and actions. That's what he's challenging us to do. We are called to follow Jesus, and we are called to allow God's Spirit to challenge us, God's Spirit to transform us, God's Spirit to call us into action. If we are honest with ourselves, if we truly take the time to step out and just be honest with ourselves, many times when we see all the different actions and behaviors that are happening in our world today, many times we try to reason all that is happening with our own thinking. We see something on social media, boom, immediately we just have our own opinion. I do it all the time. I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. 
I see something on Twitter. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to respond right now. My, my man, my thumbs, I know I got big thumbs, but man, they really fast on Twitter. I just want to respond quickly. But what would happen if we all of a sudden, instead of letting the customs and things of this world lead us, what would happen if we just stopped and paused for a moment and prayed and allowed Jesus to lead us, allow his spirit to guide us, allow his spirit to transform our lives, allow his spirit to transform our thinking, allow his spirit to transform my thumbs so my actions don't get me into trouble. What would happen if we just take a moment to pray? During this time, well, all time, I see people twist the word of God or use the word of God out of context. I've done it not on purpose, but I've done it because my mind wasn't open to understand his word. And I've said things I regret. I look back at some of the early sermons that I preached. And I think, what were you thinking, man? What was wrong with you? Are you not understanding God's word? Did it not grab a hold of your heart? See, God's word can be misused or misunderstood if you're not careful. I don't know if you remember, but during the temptation of Jesus, when he went out in the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan for those 40 days during that time when he was not eating, if you remember, it was, it was, it was, the, it was the devil that tempted Jesus with his own word. You can read the story for yourself in Luke chapter 4, where all of a sudden Satan is quoting Psalms 91 to Jesus. Trying to bring confusion. And then if you think about the Pharisees. who are, The Pharisees were the people who were dedicated to the study of Scripture. That's what they did each and every day. They studied the Scripture. And yet when Jesus came onto the scene. When Jesus came onto the scene. And all of a sudden Jesus starts to reveal truth. They missed it completely. Didn't even understand the truth of God's word. Because their minds were not open. Their hearts were not open. The word of God is vitally important to our lives. But without the power of God's spirit, the Bible becomes a historical book filled with words. Jesus said in John chapter 14, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. You see, the Bible is given to us by God. But unless we have the Holy Spirit resting in us, and as we read God's word, it becomes alive to us, all it is becomes words that we can use as laws. It becomes words that we can use against people. It becomes words that we can use in wrong ways instead of letting his word change our life. That's what his word was for. Think of all the parables that Jesus taught. Think of all the things that Jesus said. It It was for one purpose. It was to have our lives changed. And if you're sitting here today and you're saying, oh, Pastor Tom, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't understand it. If you're watching online, oh, this is another preacher. You don't understand it. God gave us his word so that he would change our lives. We never stop changing. If you think you've arrived, Paul talks about you in this scripture. Read it again, Romans chapter 12. We should constantly be changing to be more and more like Christ. I almost want to preach another message right now, but I'm holding true to my direction. But you might get a second one at the end. Who knows? It's a spiritual transformation that creates new actions. New thinking leads to new life. It's constantly remodeling our life towards God's image. It's choosing not to be controlled by fears or by prejudices. 
is choosing not to be controlled by, or is choosing to be controlled by the Spirit of God instead of our fears, instead of our prejudices. Paul is stating when we allow God to transform our thinking, then we will be able to understand our purpose for our lives. You can't understand what God's purpose for your life is if, you don't, if you're still living in a carnal thinking. If you've never allowed the Spirit of God to touch your heart, to start opening up those areas of your life, that's when you will truly find your purpose in God. Another truth I want to share from this passage is this. Be honest in the evaluation of yourself. Verse 3. Be honest in the evaluation of yourself. You will never be effective in remodeling your life, or I should say modeling your life after Jesus, if you're unwilling to be honest with yourself. See, pride is the original sin that man struggled with. In the Garden of Eden, it was Adam and Eve who struggled with pride. And pride continues to be the main sin in our lives that we struggle with each and every day. We struggle with pride. That's one of our main sins in our life. Pride is thinking that you are better than you really are. And pride is one of those things that can interfere with you being honest with yourself. I remember watching a video clip, and you've probably seen this video clip as well, with this little three-year-old boy. And the mom walks up to this three-year-old boy, and she looks at him, and she says, Have you been in the cookie jar? And the little boy looks up to the mom, and he totally lies to the mom, totally dishonest. I have not been in the cookie jar. But his face describes a totally different story. Because his face all of a sudden, you can see that by his face, he's been in the cookie jar. Sometimes we can be that little boy whose hand was in the cookie jar. The evidence is all over our face. But we deny our guilt because of pride, because of the lack of honesty with ourselves. Paul is writing that we must be honest in our evaluation of ourselves. God has given us all gifts. Did you know that? That you have a gift that God has divinely given to you. He's given us all gifts in our lives. He's given us all each type of different authority. You might be the authority of a father or the authority of a mother. Or you might be the authority of a husband. You might have the authority at your business or at your job. We've all been given different authorities as well. And Paul is calling us to use those gifts and that authority in humility And in faith, in humility, by choosing not to be prideful in our position or in our talent, but choosing to be cognitive that these are gifts that have been given to us by the Almighty God. These are gifts that God has given to our lives. And those gifts that we have been given are are called to be used to glorify Him. Let me ask you, and we step on toes, so lift your feet up off the ground real quick because I'm stepping right now. Because this is so true. I've been a pastor. I grew up in a pastor, so my grandfather was a pastor. I'm a pastor. I've seen this throughout my life. I've done this myself. How many times have we held back our God-given gift because we don't feel appreciated by others? That was a much more powerful statement than reaction should have given me. How many times have we held back the God-given gift that God has given to our lives Because I haven't gotten a thank you note from the pastor. I haven't been appreciated by the head usher. You know what? Brett has not reached out to me. All he asked me to do is just come and sing. But he hasn't appreciated my gift. He hasn't said, man, you know what? Your your gift is amazing. 
You know, I'm stuck up in the media room. No one knows that I'm up there and I'm running the online service. But nobody has shared with me, man, how much I appreciate you. We've all done it. They don't appreciate me. They don't honor me enough. I'm not going to use my gifts anymore. Did you catch it? They're not your gifts. They're God's gifts. They're not your gifts. That's pride. It's choosing to use God's gift according to your own glory and satisfaction. In faith, and I want you to catch this. This is such a deep truth that we need to grab a hold of today. In faith, we are choosing not to be lazy with our gifts, but to use our gifts for the good of others, which ultimately glorifies God. By faith, we are trusting in God's plan and not our own. We're choosing, you know what, God? I don't get it, I don't understand it, but I know that you've given me this gift and I'm gonna continue to use this gift for your glory no matter what takes place, no matter if I get persecuted for it, no matter if I don't get enough thanks for it, I'm gonna continue to use that gift because I know that you've given me that gift and it's to be used for your glory. I'm not gonna withhold that gift from you. I'm not gonna withhold that gift from the body of Christ. When we withhold our gifts, we are choosing not to glorify God with the gifts that he's given us. Paul is saying that we are all part of one body. The church. The church is part of one body. The body of Christ. We all belong to one another. And God has given us these gifts so that we can help one another. That we can love one another. That we can serve one another. Don't withhold using your gifts. Because guess what? Your gift could change someone's life. So many times we forget that Jesus works through you. Jesus works through his people. Jesus uses you to lead. Jesus uses you to pray for one another. Jesus uses you to preach the gospel. Jesus uses you to be able to evangelize those workers around you, to be able to share the love of Jesus. He's using you, and so you have to be able to be willing to allow God's gift to be used from you and not to allow pride to all of a sudden take a hold of God's gifts and say, it's my gift. I'm going to choose when I'm going to use it or when I'm not. Boy, I could just stop right there and we could be done. But I'm not going to. Thank you, Latasha. We're going to go to verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really, really love them. Love must go beyond words. Love must be filled with actions. It must be a love that stands in difficult times. We have to be willing to love one another. And some of you don't know this. and I shared this last night, and I'm just going to... I have posted some things on social media that some people may have not agreed with, and it's okay. It's my opinion, and I will own those opinions. And some of you might not realize that I actually, even though you, you, I actually have a lot of black friends. A lot of them. I spent seven years in Vegas. I have so many friends in Vegas, black, white, Asian, but I have a lot of black friends. And I was challenged this week, and it was a good challenge for me because it made me get off my butt. And sometimes it's good to get off your butt. You know what I'm saying? And because of this unrest and during this time, I called some of my black friends. And I said, I just need to talk, man. Yeah. I need you to share with me what you're going through, 
what your thoughts are. And they started just to open up and be honest with me one after the other, after the other, after the other. Why did you do that, Pastor Tom? Because I am linking arms with my friends. I am not letting them stand alone. I am linking. That's the body of Christ, guys. That's what Paul just stated in here. He said, link arms together. Stand with one another. Stand up for one another. Don't, we don't let, I think about the, I, I think about the woman, the Samaritan woman, and I, I, I share this over and over, and I, it's one of my favorite stories. But man, Jesus cared about the Samaritan woman who the Jewish people at that point had huge racial tensions against. And Jesus chose, because see, everybody knew that you didn't go through Samaria on the way, I think it was to Jerusalem. You walked, you walked around. You didn't go through Samaria because there, the tension of racism was so high. And Jesus told his disciples, no, we're going to go the shortest route. We're going to go through Samaria. And they look at him thinking, what are you thinking about, Jesus? And Jesus said, no. Because see, what happened was that Jesus Jesus had an assignment. Jesus wanted to go to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well and share with her that you matter to God. Not only was he sharing that, but guess what he was sharing? He was sharing to 12 disciples who had racism in the heart, who were not willing to go that direction. He just pointed them in the direction to say, hey, disciples, the Samaritans matter to God. I am preaching it. It's, see, we get hung up on things, we get hung up on situations, and we need to let our hearts be open and listen and hear. Amen. So important because we all belong to one another. Don't just pretend to love others. Really, really love them. It's not always been my strength. I'm not the greatest person who just displays love at all times, but man, I tell you what, as I mature, God is working on my heart. He's helping me. Even in this way, he's helping me to love those who hate me. He's helping me to, to love those who disagree with me. He's helping me to love those who want to hurt me. Pastor Tom, you have pe- people that want to hurt you, want to hate you. What, what are you talking about? I'm a pastor. If, you, if you've never been in a pastor's shoes, you don't understand. There's people that hate me. They just despise me. Why? Because the word of God just does things. And it goes into those areas and just starts to, and, and people get upset and they get mad. And I used to really struggle with that. And I'm sharing this with you because I know that you have people that don't like you. But Jesus says we're to love our enemies. We're to pray for our enemies. We're actually to do good to our enemies. Pastor Tom's finally learned how to, you know what, be hated and still love people. And it's okay. And that should be for all of us. I found the only way to really love others is by choosing to die to yourself. I don't always accomplish that, but I'm working on it. What do you mean, Pastor Tom, die to yourself? Of course, you're right. Latasha, keep preaching. It's choosing to die to our flesh is choosing to die to our sin. But many times we define that as the big wrong items. It's also choosing to die to your own will. It's choosing to die to your privilege. It's choosing to die to the need to retaliate. It's choosing to die to your own rights. When Jesus took up the cross, 
He died to his own will and submitted to the Father's will. He laid down his privileges as God's son to become the Lamb of God who was slaughtered for the sins of the world. Jesus chose not to retaliate against all the abuse and insults that were hurled at him. He didn't. Jesus chose to give up his rights for the rights of others. The police officers who arrested George Floyd were wrong. And I know that there's a small minority of police officers who don't do what is right. I know that. But every day, we have thousands of police officers who are choosing to die to themselves so that they can serve others. They die to their own will. They die to their own privilege. They die to the need to retaliate. They die to their own rights to uphold the rights of others. See, it's not an either or. I'm on this side or I'm on this side. It's a both and. Because we are one. We don't choose one. We don't. It's a both and. See, the real issue is sin. That's the main issue in people's lives. And sin makes us do wicked and evil things. And we need to eradicate it. We need to allow Jesus to infiltrate us in such a way that sin no longer has a hold on our lives. We have thousands of police officers who are demonstrating great love in the midst of being hated. And we need to pray for them. And I know that we have police officers that have racism in their heart and they do things that are wrong. And we need to find those police officers and ask them to politely leave the force. Amen? Amen. I think we can all agree on that. Jesus hated, and yet through all the hate, and this is what I love about Jesus, through all the hate, his love was revealed. You see, we don't give up hope. God's love can be revealed in and through our lives if we choose to do so. His love can be revealed. That's what it really means to love. It's blessing and serving those who persecute you. Jesus never claimed that love is easy. Love can be difficult. But love is what will change the hearts of people. It's the goodness of God that draws people towards repentance. It's your goodness, it's your love that will draw people to Christ, to Jesus. It's not our hate. It's not our anger. It's not, our, it's not to get even. It's the goodness of God Amen. that flows through our lives that draws people to the cross of Jesus Christ. The last chapter, the last thought I want to share with you today is Paul's final words in this chapter. He says, don't let evil conquer you. Conquer evil by doing good. We cannot let evil guide our lives. We cannot let evil, the evil of others, penetrate our thinking and change us from who God is calling us to be. Paul is warning us not to let evil conquer our thinking, our thoughts, our actions, our directions, our don't let it happen in your life. And how does Paul tell us to fight evil? I love, we struggled last night with that answer. And I'm so glad that you were here this morning to give the answer. Come on. Absolutely, 100% right. We fight evil by doing good. Paul writes in verse 17. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Evil is a vicious cycle. The evil act of the killing of George Floyd 
led to the evil acts of rioting and looting, which led to the more evil acts that are taking place and more violence. Sooner or later, someone has to be willing to get off the merry-go-round. Sooner or later, someone has to be willing to get off the merry-go-round of hate and violence, of anger, all that stuff. And we have to choose. And how do we get off the merry-go-round? We get off the merry-go-round by forgiving. We get off the merry-go-round by loving one another. It's choosing to say, I've been wronged, but guess what? I'm going to get off this merry-go-round and I'm going to start loving one another. And I see it happening. I see it starting to happen. I see forgiveness starting to take place. We need to start having it happen in our lives. We need to search our hearts. Don't, don't miss this moment and get caught up in all the news and the political sides and all that kind of stuff. Don't miss this moment to look inside and say, God, what needs to change in me? Not, don't look at others. Don't accuse anybody else. Just look in yourself. God, what needs to change in me? That's what will help us get off this merry-go-round of hate. Don't spread hate. Spread love. If you want to remodel your heart from a heart, and I'm not saying that you have this, but we all have a little glimpse of this sometimes in our lives. But to remodel our heart from a heart of hatred or anger or revenge, you begin by choosing to love one another by doing what is good. Jesus said, love your enemies. Meaning, love everyone, even those who might hate you. Love your enemies enemies. Amen? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for Romans chapter 12. That Lord God, you led the Apostle Paul to write some powerful words that we can actually use in today's life in 2020. We can take those words that were written over almost 2,000 years ago and they still apply to our life today. God, thank you. Thank you that your word is so relevant and the power of your Holy Spirit is so alive in our hearts and our minds that, Lord, we don't have to stay in a direction of hate or anger or, or, or misunderstanding. Or, or, Lord, you can change us. You can change us from the inside out. God, I pray that that will take place in this church, Lord. But beyond this church, I pray it will take place in the lives of people all across America that our hearts, Lord God, would be tender towards the things of you. That our hearts, Lord God, would be tender towards goodness and graciousness and love and kindness and mercies and faithfulness. That, God, we will get rid of all the other stuff of bitterness and anger and those things that, Lord God, that, that cause turmoil and stress in our lives. Help us to love people like you love them, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to be giving like you've been giving, Lord God, willing to sacrifice your own life for our sins. Jesus, I pray for anyone here today that has been struggling. And if you're here today, if you're watching us online, I'm not going to ask for hands to be raised. I'm not going to ask for anything right now. But I do want your eyes to be closed for just a moment. If you've been struggling during this time, and I don't know what the struggle could, might be, but if it's maybe just struggling, maybe, maybe you don't really have, you don't feel like you have racism in your heart, but you just have a lot of anger. Or maybe you know that you have racism in your heart and you're struggling with that. Maybe, maybe your heart is just filled with fear right now. The fear of the future, the fear for your children, the grandchildren, whatever it might be. Maybe you're, you're fearful of the coronavirus, that that virus is going to take hold in your life. 
Whatever the fear might be, I want to remind you once again that we're not to be led by fear, that we're to be led by faith. And I want you to raise, not your hand, but raise your heart right now. And I want to say a prayer with you today. That God will break, the Holy Spirit will break any fears of racism, fears of anger, fears of of coronavirus, fears of whatever it might be you're struggling with today. I want that broken off of your life. And I want you to just pray with me today. Lord Jesus, I just pray over each and every person. Lord God, I ask right now for whatever they might be struggling with, God, set them free in Jesus' name. You came to earth 2,000 years ago not to put us into bondage but to set us free from the slavery of sin. And God, I pray we be set free today, free from the fear of things that hold us bondage to this world. And Lord God, I pray that faith would arise in our hearts and our minds, Lord God, so that we can serve you in more of a miraculous way than ever before. Allow the power of your Holy Spirit to have a clean slate, a clean vessel, a vessel that is willing to follow after you in every way of our life. So Lord God, we can be impactful with your love, with your goodness, with your grace into the lives of other people. I pray, God, that we will no longer be held by the schemes of the devil, but we be set free by your grace, Lord God. We love you, Lord, for all that you do. Continue to do a work in and through our lives today, I pray. I pray it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.